0: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how much you love us. And it's a love that is for each individual in their unique heart, spirit, soul, and mind. You know each circumstance. You know the culture we live in. You know the future that you have for us. And you know the trials and struggles we're in and the, what we face going forward. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us and you know us. I ask you to help us see, see as you see, give us your perspective and help us to receive your word and prepare us for what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to talk about the issue of identity, it's become quite the issue lately with uh, the rise of transgenderism. It's made it all about pronouns and Pride Month and all of that kind of stuff. And to many of us, it seems, who, many of us who don't struggle with those issues, it seems ridiculous and petty. But to be honest, identity is a big deal. It's important. So I I want to talk about it. And even though the trans issue is quite new, this struggle with identity has been around for a long time. Um, Because it's at the core of our beliefs. It's how we perceive the world. It's very... Um, central to the human experience. Each individual is important and created for a purpose meant to express God's image in a unique way. And so to grapple with this idea of identity, we need to be cognizant that there may be people in this room who are struggling with these issues. It's not an us and them kind of thing. God loves us all and he died for us all. Even at the beginning, Adam and Eve were seduced by the serpent serpent, and they, in a sense, chose their own identity by choosing to disobey and eat of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, they chose to be their own. To say, in a sense, I'm my own God now. I can choose what I want to do. You can be your own God if you step out of how how God identifies you. Is what the lie was. Um, his creation. His children is how he held them. And he wanted them to be. Dependent on him. Because he could bless them. And, and be connected to them. But he, may, he gave them that choice. And they took it. So from the very beginning. Their choosing this identity issue is a thing. I work for the federal government. Many of you know I work for the Forest Service. And this trans issue has become a big thing. But about seven years ago, I was in a meeting with a leadership team and I was was helping to facilitate. And the question was asked, how do you identify yourself? You know, that's a different question than saying, introduce yourself. And I was caught off guard. I, what, the, what the heck is this? I don't know. I'm like, well, I'm a country Christian girl. And left it at that. Um, but some of you know my, uh, my testimony. And when I was younger, I struggled with gender dysphoria and same-sex attraction. But in that day and age when I was much younger uh, society was not hell bent on convincing people that if you had those issues that you were in the wrong body and the church was, was still denouncing homosexuality consistently thankfully but today as many of you may have felt already that it's, it's kind of in your face, this transgender thing. And as a federal government employee, it is three times that. And I find myself up against this thing that I feel like I should speak up against. And I find myself preparing arguments and trying to figure out how I say something that will be of some benefit. We had a three-day face-to-face meeting as a team building kind of thing a few weeks ago. And I was, I knew that it was going to be, you know, equity and all of this kind of stuff throughout the agenda. And I was a mess. I was trying to figure out what do I say? How do I address, you know, what do I, how do I interact with this? And the whole time I was always, I was paying attention to what was being said and how to respond to that and i was I was able to you know in one small group, I was able to speak up and, and give my opinion, but um, it was it it brings anxiety with it because it it feels like you have to be on one side or the other you have and, and being on the other on one side is not acceptable um so. I will talk to you today about transgenderism, but really is at the core of the issue is, this, is identity. And we, even though, even though transgenderism has become the thing, it's like growing exponentially right now in the last few years. When we seem to think that it's a kind of a sudden thing, it's been coming along for a long time. It's just the kind of a logical traje- trajectory of where we've been going in this, because we have been, as a society, trying to find other ways to, to, to self-identify ourselves. Um, and we, as a society, we live within it, right, like a fish in water, and we don't really recognize the influences that we are experiencing. To get to where we're at now, we had to believe a series of lies before we can, you know, come to the place where we can say gender and sex are a separate thing and, and you can be a, a man in a woman's body. So I'm sure there are more, but I'm going to talk about four of them. First of all, the idea that there is no God and that we were created by this random chance of evolution to become who we are, to be a species. To say that there is no God opens everything up to all kinds of misinformation and lies and deception. Number two, we we are believing this lie that says there is no objective truth. You've heard people say, well that's your truth, but that's not my truth. My truth, it's subjective. And so we're all, there's no no foundational ground to stand on at that point. Because everybody else has a different truth potentially and then it just becomes, which is the biggest group for the truth that we're gonna support. The last two are, in a sense, valuable virtues in our country, we, um, we celebrate independence and individuality, right? Um, it's important and we believe that each individual has the right to pursue happiness. But at the same time that, that independence can be twisted and it can separate us from community, from family, and we're left all on our own to determine who we are, what we're going to do, what our purpose and plan is, and to a point where we have very few guidelines even, you know, boundaries that kind of point us in the right direction even. Because it's all about the self, the individual, and you get to choose what you want to do. The last one is authenticity. Now, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing, right? Being honest and transparent and not having that secret shadow self that Mitch talked about last week. But what's happened with that, and the enemy has twisted that as well as to, th- to say that, you know, you, you need to embrace whatever makes you feel good because that's your authentic self, regardless of what it is. If it makes you feel good, you need to embrace it. If it makes you feel repressed, or it makes you feel uncomfortable, then you need to reject that. So that makes you become so self-reflective and so sensitive to every little microaggression or every little thing that may may seem counter to what what makes you feel good that you've twisted yourself to a point where you're looking for something that is not really even findable. And that's what's happening to people today. All of these lies have led us to believe that we can self-identify. We as created beings can determine who and what we are. Now, we've been doing this for a long time. You know, it's not like, yes, transgenderism is the, the thing that has happened to us right now. It's the sudden, seems like suddenly. It's like... It's like a marriage where you feel like, you know, it fell apart suddenly. But in actuality, there's, there's little steps along the way that you take that have made that, that couple grow further and further apart. That's what we've done as a society with, with accepting these lies. We're now at a place where transgenderism can expand. And we've seen, we've seen other destructive forms of other destructive symptoms of self-identity in how suicidality is going up and depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. I can remember it's probably in the 80s or early 90s where we we're talking about how Prozac was going off the chart, you know, just selling cr- crazily. That's a symptom of not knowing and not, having, not being grounded in who you are and not having that identity. So we've been, we've been trying to figure out figure this out for a long time on our own. It's been, you know, you can identify as the class or the status you have or your wealth or possessions. You know, you're the guy that has the fancy car or the guy who can, you know, has lots of muscles and, you know, is the athlete or, you know, the the gal who has, you know, can have a boyfriend anytime they want or, and now maybe, and now it's the job, you know, you identify as what job you have. And, to, and even more so, you are expected, our youth especially, are expected to find that passion to pursue that will help them express their, their authentic self. And so many of them are struggling with determining what that passion is And their and their paralyzed to some degree when especially when you're young the thing you need to do is just get a job and learn some of the world and then and then find out you know what what abilities you have and pursue that but it's not like you're going to find the the calling of your life the day you graduate and and be able to pursue that you try things out and it's not it's not the thing that's going to that's going to give you all the satisfaction that you were hoping to have. So we've been doing this. We've been trying to figure this out, and it's all fallen short. It's not satisfying us. It's all crumbling. And we as a society are wrestling with who we are. Individually and as a group, we are wrestling. Cain... Wrestled with God when he didn't bring the right, you know, sacrifice and God would not receive it. He's like, What's up, God? You know, why? I brought you something. Why wouldn't you receive it? Well, the Creator decides what the sacrifice is, not the created. So Cain was wrestling with who he was in relationship to God and with his brother because his brother's sacrifice was received. Abraham found it hard to believe what God said about him. You're going to be a father of many nations. He didn't have a single child. And he went through many years of trying to figure out, you know, and believe that that was true. Jacob wrestled with God about what his future was going to be. We all wrestle with this to a certain extent because we as individuals are, we have a a physical place from which we perceive the world. And it is from our body. And we're trying to figure out how we relate to everything and everybody and who we are. But we only see this from one vantage point, where I go and what I see and how I was growing up and what happened to me in school, all of that influences me. And now everything on the internet influences me. So to say that I'm self-identifying who I am, you're not recognizing how many different influences are affecting that decision that you make. Not to mention the spiritual entities that are taking advantage of every time you feel angst or depression or you experience trauma. So it's just because we say we want to, you know, we want to be the, you know, the controller of our lives. I'm sorry. That's not the reality of the situation. So we're wrestling with. Determining our identity, and we're wrestling with God. And you know what? He's okay with that. Really. He is okay with you wrestling with him. Jacob wrestled with him, and yeah, he got a pretty sore hip, right? But he blessed him, and he gave him a new name. Jacob learned a big lesson there. God identifies who I am. I'm not Jacob the liar and deceiver anymore. I am Israel. That's a great lesson, and wrestling is okay, but the thing about it is, is that when you are wrestling, the enemy is trying to put into their lies and deception and seduction and tell you that God's not for you. God's you know repressive he's this he's that he's the other thing and you that's and then that can be turned into rebellion and that's what often happens it, the wrestling is you know you quit wrestling and you choose and it's rebellion from God or with God it leads us farther and farther away from God as a society as a culture, as individuals. It leads us further and further away from him and becomes more and more self-destructive. It opens up, as you can see, we're at the point now where we're using cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers to change who we are, chasing after something that we think we've identified ourselves as, or running away from something that we don't want to be, it's very destructive to the point of you know, having surgeries to remove body parts. And to those of us who don't struggle with this, it all seems so ridiculous, but it's really a big deal. And there are some of us who really struggle with this in our society. You know, I, I gave my testimony to the church a while back, a couple of years ago, I suppose. And then I, Josh asked me to give my testimony to the youth at, um, in the evening youth group. And one of the gals, I think it was uh, Chloe, asked me, what do, you, what do you say to someone who is struggling with this? Because you know, they have friends. You know, that, Guaranteed, they've got friends who are struggling with this. And it gets talked about. And I really didn't have a good answer for it. I said, that's a really good question, and I'm not, really, I'm not really sure. But I remember Josh saying to the parents that you need to ask a lot of questions because the fact that they want to be another sex does not mean that it is related to gender dysphoria. They don't know really, and you don't know enough to assume They might be um, just depressed about something else completely and having pubescent anxiety. You know, when you were a teenager, how many of you felt depressed or anxious or felt awkward with your body or got rejected when you asked somebody out on a date? Just about everybody. I mean, think about how much it took you guys to actually get up the courage to ask someone out on a date or go to the prom. And then you get rejected, and the enemy says, see, there's something wrong with you. Or maybe you gals, how many times did you wait for someone to ask you, and they never did? There's so many people that are just, they do feel like they don't belong. And they, so, and society says you don't belong because you're not who you're supposed to be, so you need to change. And it might be something completely different. It might be because they had trauma in their life. You know, abuse causes people to not want to be who they are because they don't want that abuse anymore. Many women are choose the... Homosexual lifestyle because they've been abused and they don't want that anymore. They don't trust men anymore. So, when she asked that question, I thought I need to. I'm going to look into this some more. And plus, because of you know the, all the stuff going on at work, I decided I was going to look into it a little more. And and read quite a bit. And then I ran into this young guy on YouTube. He's about 25, and he's a detransitioner. And I, I think most of you are familiar with that term where they tried to transition or decided to transition to the other sex and then and then decided that wasn't for them. So they so he took estrogen for several months because he was he had this abhorrence to his body hair. He was of an ethnicity that had, you know, you get a lot of body hair and it just it made him feel his, his, his body was abhorrent to him because of this for many people it's, it's a number of any number of things and so he started taking estrogen but at the same time he realized that he had a lot of questions See, he's a smart guy now I want you to be sure and not make the mistake and assume that because people struggle with this kind of thing they're stupid or they're dumb that's not true just like you and I and this guy realized that the person the psychologist or psychiatrist that got him you know the prescription for estrogen didn't have a lot of answers to his questions you can go online and get a a referral and a prescription within 30 minutes without anybody even seeing you in fact Many uh, psychologists and psychiatrists cannot do anything but affirm you if you feel like you have this issue. They'll lose their job. And if you pay them a couple hundred bucks, you'll get a letter that will refer you for surgery. It's not very hard. The pipeline is very big, and and they're flushing people through it. So this guy, his name is, he goes by Isaac Uncooked on YouTube. And he started, he started reading, reading research papers. And then he started posting videos and saying, you know what? These cross sex horm- hormones are very dangerous. They cause strokes. They cause heart issues. They cause bone density loss or not even developing it. Um, autoimmune disease, all kinds of stuff. And so... As, as he continued on his research, he decided, I'm not going to do that. And so he quit taking the hormones. But he still has some of those effects. Recently been in the hospital. His heart rate was 140. Tachycardia. It's extreme headache. Autoimmune disease to the point where he can't hardly eat anything but meat. Muscle and joint and nerve pain. Extreme pain. With no hope, there's no, there's no cure for that necessarily. So he's looking at his life and he's thinking it would be much easier to commit suicide than to fight this. In fact, those people who transition, the the suicidality goes up at about 8 to 10 years. After the transition, there are no studies that go beyond like, beyond a year to two years. This situation is something that is obviously getting out of control. And people are being destroyed by it. All because they're trying to self-identify. So... Like I said before, it's just a logical tra- tra- trajectory of how we're continuing forward. And what's next? I hate to say it, but with, the, with AI coming up, transhumanism is next. We're being groomed for that. It's going to be a choice and it will be chosen. To those of us in, the, in conservative Christian circles It seems, it's just infuriating to see this, how this is all playing out, and how it's affecting society, and all the divisiveness, and the pressure, and the biological men claiming to be trans women in sports, in the locker room, in the bathroom, in the prisons, and in the beauty pageants where they win, It seems insanely crazy, putting children on puberty blockers. You know, they self-identify themselves at six or seven years old when one day they want to be Batman and the next day they want to be an airplane. And they have no idea of what sexuality is. And we go along with that, and they have no chance of entering into that, that joy and love that God created for procreation marriage. So, I know that many of you are, have felt some of this angst like I have, but let me ask you a question. How do you identify? Now, be careful. That's a trick question because we cannot self-identify. But honestly, we do it all the time. We listen to how we feel, or we we pay attention to the history of our failures and we say this is who I am i have a i have a friend who's an accountant and every time she talks about her job i just look at her like she's crazy because i cannot stand numbers i'm not good with numbers i am nearly a failure at math and finance makes me feel stupid what am i doing I'm self-identifying to a degree. Even in the church. You know, I was raised by Christian parents. I must be a Christian, right? I've attended a Christian church my whole life. I'm a Christian. I grew up in the United States of America, a Christian country. Must be a Christian, huh? (laughs) We are self-identifying by the influences that are around us. We compare ourselves to those on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. We are in a soup of toxic influences. Every YouTube video, meme, story, movie, narrative has an agenda. And you need to pay attention as to what it's trying to tell you about yourself and the world and your God. The only one who can truly identify us is the one who is outside of the system. The one who is, has an objective perspective. Uninfluenced, incorruptible, holy. Holy. His identification of us, God's identification of us, means way more than anything else that anybody's going to tell you or what you are going to tell yourself. He's the only one who identifies his creation and his children and his bride. The only one who can truly identify us is the one who paid the price for our sin. Do you, do you see how self-identification is not feasible and disastrous, destructive? First of all, it's, it's not only destructive, but it, it keeps you chasing what you think you, your identity is. If I say that I am you know, successful and, and strong and an athletic, I will be chasing that continually. If, if I say that I'm a male and I'm going to change myself to, to look like that, I will be chasing that the rest of my life. I will be on hormones the rest of my life. I'll have to have surgeries the rest of my life. And then I'll have to have corrective surgeries the rest of my life. Impact after impact after side effect. Whatever it is that you identify yourself as, if it's not what God identifies you, you will be chasing it. Or you will be running away from. Because many of these people who are doing this are they're not chasing something, they're running away. Okay? So you're, you recognize that all these influences need to be checked at the door. Right? And recognized and determined whether or not that's true well, that aligns with the word, right? So what are you listening to? Are you listening to what God says about you? If you truly believe that his son Jesus died for you and paid for your sins, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you hearing that? Do you recognize that? You are dead to sin and alive to Christ. Christ. He says you are his beloved bride. You are chosen and he, you ravish him when he thinks of you. that's craziness that he would think of you with that much passion. You are united with him and seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God. This is who he says we are. He captures, he, he listens to you. He's attentive to you. Not just your prayers. He hears you. He sees you when you're struggling, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're, when you're dying inside. A few weeks ago, I don't know what was going on, but I was emotionally in a wreck. And I, You know what it feels like when you're inside. Your guts are just tight. You know, you're just... You're just struggling, and it it hurts from here to here. And you don't know what to do about it. He feels that. Jesus feels everything every person in this world has ever felt. He knows you. He's attentive to you. He hears your prayers. He captures every tear in a bottle. And he loves you with a holy love that will not stop perfecting you. So, so what does that mean? What is, what is that identity to us? How do we live? What do we say? As individuals, as the church. Well, I don't have all the answers to each situation that you're going to experience or be a part of. But I can say this. We were born for such a time as this. God put us on this planet and brought us together as a body for such a time as this. We first must know that we must know our identity is in Christ. We must have that as our foundation, solid, not being able to be be pushed from that. And when you feel the pressure to conform or affirm or be an ally to lies and deception and you don't like that feeling, that's just a taste of the persecution that's probably coming. And we need to get used to it. And if you're feeling that, you need to have a better sense of what your connection with your identifier is. You need to be connected with him. Because this world will push you. And we need to stand up for it. Second, know that this is not going to be resolved by the right argument or the right political candidate. This is not going to be solved by laws that are passed. This is a spiritual battle and we're being called to a spiritual battle. I was... uh, rewriting this sermon this morning (laughs) the last minute and ran across a couple of verses you know we often think of in this situation we think about uh, us and them and we get angry by the camp that you know is pushing this politically and we get frustrated And we get in a mindset that is not God's perspective and mindset. He says in Psalms 22, 23 and 24, Praise the Lord, all you fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all of you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. There are people that struggle with this, are struggling, and now are struggling with what society has done to them, physically. He has not turned his back on them, he has listened to their cries for help. This is a spiritual battle, and the enemy is not the blue progressives or the person who wants you to call them by a different pronoun. They're not the enemy. It makes your life difficult, yes. But they are not the enemy. This is a spiritual battle. And there are spiritual forces that are impacting them and influencing them to say things, to spew things at you and to us. But they are not the enemy. It feels like it's hard to stand on a position that you know is right and have compassion and you know, Jesus on the cross, he held love and mercy and truth and justice at the same time You know what that is? That's called "bearing your cross." because you need to stand for the truth, but you also need to love that person. So on the flip side, here's what God says. Second uh, 2 Timothy 2:19. 2, Through 23, 22. God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. And we need to lead with that. We need to lead, we need to be repentant ourselves. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. That's not saying that some people are expensive and some people are cheap. He's saying he's made people different for different uses. We are his creation, and he creates as he wants to, for his purposes. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. We are called to fight this spiritual battle against spiritual entities that want to destroy this generation and have attempted to destroy every generation using everything from addictions to abortion to sexual freedom to AIDS and now gender-affirming care that will destroy them. We are called to advance the kingdom in the heavenlies and on the earth by using Christ's authority that he's given to us in our identity united with him we are called to use that to fight for those who are suffering and struggling and fighting for their own identity that's already been bought and paid for not just for us for the whole world when we pray We need to make sure we're not just praying in defense of our position and to make the world, the United States, the way it used to be. We are praying for the restoration of people who don't know Jesus and they don't know their identity in him. So first of all, we need to pray for our own solid foundation in that identity with God has given us we need to pray for our culture to see the light of God and his identification we need to pray bold heartfelt earth-shaking prayers this is not a time for timidness in our prayers we need to be proclaiming the truth of God not for our defense but for their benefit and their restoration. We need to be shining the light of Jesus to overcome the darkness and walking the way of Jesus in love. We are a church and we have authority in corporate prayer. When we come into these this room and we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, when we lift our hearts up to the Lord and worship him and sing truth, Something changes in the atmosphere, and when we pray together, things happen. We said we were singing, we we're singing about breakthrough. That's what we are called to do as a body. So, once again, just like Esther, Esther is a picture of the church. For such a time as this, we are called. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to gather together in small groups. We've done this before, and we're going to pray for this situation, for this issue. We're going to pray for people.